HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Paris Gourmet, delivering specialty foods and ingredients right to your restaurant, bakery, and bar. Learn more at parisgourmet.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're bringing you four stories about lost and found culinary treasures. We are searching for what will be lost, and we're trying to rejuvenate it. What we try to do is collect these sourdoughs that contribute to the biodiversity of sourdough in order to store them, to document them, and be able to preserve them for the future. It's bringing back the history and just being part of that time that just, it's, there's nothing like it. You yeah. know, there's, there's nothing like it. When fame comes late, uh, I'm sure it's just as sweet as when it comes earlier. <laughs> Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from Hey Whatever. I, I'm not even going to say when I'm coming to you anymore. From a British pizzeria in Bushwick, not joined with Nastasia de Hammer Lopez because she's on a plane from me, 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 St. Bart's, which is a place I don't want to go because uh, I hate paradise. I re- Actually, I would like to go there. I'm sure they have delicious fruit and seafood. Me, me, me. All right, but Nastasia, like- I know you're going to listen to this. I didn't get a chance to tell Dave to not say where you were. She specifically told me, oh, don't no. say where I am. It's, it's, uh, you're in I trouble. can't use the word that she used, but. What? <laughs> She's going to be mad at me. It doesn't matter. Well, you didn't tell me. I know. Why didn't she tell me? That's a good question. Because <laughs> she's on vacation. doesn't want to text anybody. She's not on vacation. She doesn't oh. want to talk about it. That I know. It's not a... Anyways, she's on an airplane. She will be back next week when we have, as our special guest, uh, Seth Godin. Uh, he's going to be talking about uh, his books, his blog, everything else. The marketing guy? Yeah. Dope. Yeah, it's going to be good. He actually used Nastasia uh, and, and I uh, and me in a um, in one of his posts, which was uh, very uh, very flattering. That's very cool. Yeah. I used to read him a lot. Really? Yeah. Apparently. Wait, it's a, it's a marketing guy? And he was well, talking he... about you? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, so he has this, he has this like, kind of he has several books on in theory of like tribes, and he mm-hmm. says that yeah. you, Cooking Issues crew, we together form like a, a tribe of I sorts. think you're more of a cult. I hope not. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, we've discussed this on the air. Remember, 
it is not the the cults don't actually drink Kool Aid. They drink Flavor Aid. Flavor Aid. <laughs> We've had this discussion on the air before, but it's Flavor Aid. The Kool Aid is you know from the on the bus with the acid, the electric Kool Aid acid test. The cult drinking the Kool Aid in a cult way. And by the way, like how is it that I, I, I'm not going to get into it because we Matt, Matt in the booth. How you doing? I'm doing great. We we had this discussion like several weeks ago, oh, right? Yeah, no, and it's a huge PR win for Kool Aid. I think <laughs> <laughs> we didn't kill the people. It, it was, was the Flavor Aid people. They're the worst, and Flavor- they were a knockoff to begin with. The Weasels. Nobody remembers Flavor Aid now, though. So I know, but like, first of all, like, how cheap? How cheap are those guys at Jonestown? To it's like-, like it's not like you're gonna need money after this. <laughs> Just so get the wrong. good, good get point. the good punch. That's so wrong. That's that's Jack Schramm. I was told last week when he came on that I did wasn't enthusiastic enough. So hopefully <laughs> that wasn't enthusiastic. He's the uh, he's the nice. head bartender of uh, existing conditions, and we should have if Nastasia is the hammer. You should uh, maybe what tool would you be? Some sort of knife. No, that makes me the nail. I was like <laughs> Jack the nail Schramm, right? Like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And we we uh I don't know I don't know why she's here, but our <laughs> other special guest in the studio today is Kat from the Heritage Radio Network. Who uh, you're also the host of which you're like what do you like what is everything you do for the Heritage Radio Network? Everything I do. I am the communications director. That's what I spend most of my time doing. I also so you're Sarah Huckabee Sanders of Heritage Radio oh, Network. Why would Correct. you say that about me? Cat Huckasans. Oh boy. Non political um, show. <laughs> I take it back. We're not talking thank about you. it. Um, I also co-host Meet and Three, which is the trailer you hear at the beginning of the show. Now, do you spell that with an A or with an E? With an A. Meet and Three, as in the southern Meet and Three sides uh, meal that you would get at like a country yeah. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the format of the show. We have one meat story that's like longer Aren't than three sides. Are you from like Mobile or something crazy like this? I'm from the other side of Alabama. All right. Near Georgia. Okay. Um, and then I also co-host HR and Happy Hour, which you guys should come be on sometime. Um, it's on Thursdays at 5 p.m. and that we, we were opening a bar right then. Well, I know, but you know, <laughs> if someone will write you a tardy slip, you can come hang out. I got an idea. Why don't you record it once from existing conditions, and we'll serve you drinks? We yeah. would yes. love to yes. do that. Ooh. Let's do that. That's can what I wanted to talk yes. to you about later. Can we do it on a non-Thursday day? What about a Friday earlier in the afternoon? That sounds great. Love it. Boom. That's a little tease coming up. We're gonna do summer Fridays happy Ooh. hour. Nice. But so, Kat, what do you uh, what do you hear? Oh, by the way, calling. We, so, we actually wait. Your by the way is perfectly timed. We have a person on the air. Hello, uh, person. You're on the air. Oh, hello. Sorry, the uh, connection's a little bit patchy. Um, has the question about a fermenting sausages and sous vide been definitively answered? Because I have my own experiences to report on that. Uh, has it been definitively answered? So, in general, right? I mean. I don't. I don't know. Like, give me the particular question. I don't know whether I uh, answered. I'm always kind of loath to talk about. I'm always kind of loath to talk about um, things that are relative to um, relative to safety. But assuming that you have, I mean, you're trying to get a pH drop relatively quickly, so it should work in a sous vide thing. It's just a question of whether or not it's possible to have uh, crap grow in it in the meantime, right? Which presumably why you have salt and uh, nitrites there as well. Um, but, but what were you going to say? Yeah, so I, I've done it a number of times now with what I would deem to be successful results uh, in terms of flavor and, and not getting sick. 
that's just something I wanted to report out. Uh, specifically, I was making summer sausage using the uh, Safe Pro FLC culture. Right. And uh, once they were cased up in their fibrous casings and then uh, vac bagged and then put in a uh, sous vide bath, I used 90 degrees for about 30 to 36 hours. Uh, there was no ill effects to report. So it's, it seems like an alternative that would work, but I, I would give that same disclaimer as well. About, uh, yeah, I mean, related issues. I would love to get, uh, you know, Johnny Hunter uh, on, because the reason I pick him is because, uh, you know, I know he went through a whole Kickstarter thing um, on getting his HACCP stuff done. So he might have some more um, to weigh in on on this, on the technical side. Um, sure. But, I mean, look at the... It, let let's say you're doing the standard. Let's say you're let's say you're a standard person, like you know, like any of us, right? You're you're packing the sausages into uh, into casings. They can be relatively large, right? And then you're doing it traditionally. You're hanging it in a hot, moist box, you know, uh, you know, for however long it takes to get the pH drop you need with the culture you have, right? I mean, that's what we're doing. So yes. It, in reality, in the real life, right, the interior of that sausage is, you know, pretty quickly goes into an anaerobic uh, condition and therefore should be growing uh, botulism, right? I mean, if it was going to grow at all, it should be growing, right? I mean, that's the theory. That's why botulism is called botulism after the Latin word for whatever it is. Like sausage. You're a food history guy, Jack. Sausage, right? Botulism, isn't it? Someone look it up, the Latin for sausage. Anyways, okay. point being that uh, the only difference here is that you're immediately putting the entire thing in an anaerobic environment, including the outside. But it's not like the air, uh, it's not like the air is getting to the inside of that freaking sausage during the time that the pH is going down. So in general, if the interior of the sausage is going to be safe, I would say the exterior of the safe uh, sausage is probably safe. Um, inside of a, a bag with the caveat that I wouldn't put it in a hard vacuum. Farmeet, the Latin is farsimini. Farsimini, that just means yeah, stuff. But if, you, if you keep going, botulus, casing, sausage. Oh, botulus, ah, casing, okay. sausage. Uh, come on, Jack. Whoa, listen. Don't blame me, blame Google. Blame NYU. That's who, that's who educated Jack. Nobody looks oh. beyond the first result. Yeah, what amazed me was come that on. once I cut it up in the packages after the fermentation period, they remained tight and there was no like, even hint of any bad smell. At least to me, right? It, well, it's I mean, absolutely the, delicious and got better when it was smoked. Uh, I so. mean, it should be. Look, theoretically, in my mind, it's kind of an ideal environment, right? Because you're not letting other stuff go on it, and you can control the temperature extremely accurately, and you're not getting any dry down at all. You don't have to worry about uh, the relative humidity or any of that. To me, mentally, it's ideal. It's just I hesitate to say without having someone done the the HACCP work on it to say that you're totes hundred safe on it. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah, but mentally, it's a great idea. I mean, look at it this way also, is, uh, you know, when we make sauerkraut, right, we salt the, we salt the, the you know, the bejesus, I do anyway, because I like salt, salt the bejesus out of the product, and you put it in a vac bag, and it starts going with uh, its lactic acid, uh, you know, McGillicuddy there, and it just, it turns into delicious stuff, and I never worry about it even even once, not even once. You know what I mean? Now, so with the salt that you're talking about for the sauerkraut, I'll just usually go for a 2% by weight, and then fill in with 2% brine as necessary if there's a little too much airspace. Yeah, because, uh, well, What I, level of salt do you prefer? I'm just curious. I, I, I gotta be honest, and this is just proves what kind of a, a, of a, uh, a jerk I am. I literally just... I should measure it someday. I literally just toss and taste. I'm like a really bad guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but because I have kind of a, 
because I am a salty man and I have a salty palate, uh, I'm never, ever in danger of undersalting it. You know what I mean? Um, I know a lot of people are trying to push the edge. I've heard like uh, 2% by weight, and I like the idea of adding brine. I think that's a mistake people make. They don't kind of add in um, a little bit of brine, and it's always good. And if let's let's say you let's say you've never made sauerkraut before, right? Uh, I think a good idea is to um, buy some commercially made, unpasteurized, untreated sauerkraut. By the way, if any if anyone, I doubt anyone is, but if anyone is listening to this who has never had real unpasteurized, like still alive fermented sauerkraut. Wow, you shouldn't do anything else other than go get that stuff right now. I mean, it's, it's so good. If you, if you've just had the sterilized, pasteurized sauerkraut that you get in the average supermarket that comes in a, in a polyethylene bag, and you're like, I don't like sauerkraut. Well, you don't like baseball game hot dog sauerkraut, which that is also right. makes you a bad person because <laughs> delicious, just different. Well, it's not actually delicious. It's fine on a hot dog. It's a great condiment. It's not. Have you ever eaten it by itself? Have you ever just sat down and tried to take down a whole bowl of sabret pasteurized sauerkraut? Have you ever eaten a bowl of yellow mustard? Yes. <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong person. Yes, you are, Jack. <laughs> I right. used to remember. I'm on your team, Jack. Don't forget, I used to take bets, food bets. Ah, one of which yeah. was oh. I've taken down I've taken down uh, dining hall size things of yellow mustard. Just I've fringes? taken down. Uh, well, no, they're not. They're not that fancy. Yellow. <laughs> Just yellow. Yellow. Yellow brand mustard. And I have to say something about this. Zenf, which is mustard auf Deutsch. Zenf snobs. I like yellow mustard. I love yellow mustard. I'm just saying. I think it's, I actually believe it's a good product. I, uh, so do I. I also believe that, yeah. I like a spicy brown mustard. I like all mustards. I do not, I'm going to, I hate to say this because maybe, I don't know, they're never going to hand me money anyway. It doesn't matter. But I do not like the standard mass produce Dijon mustard. I've said it on the air a million times. On behalf of HRN, if any Dijon mustard brands want to give us money, I'll... We love you. I love that we product. Also we love them. We can change Dave's mind. Yeah, we, Do you hate white wine? We'll dub what's, over. What's I don't hate white wine. Um, it's just... I've never had one that I didn't think was, and this is one of Jack's favorite words, kind of acrid. Like, I just don't... Like, especially the one that's got the gray poop on it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like oh, it. Oh, so good. I don't like it. Oof. I love the commercials. I love the, I love the Rolls Royces. You know, okay. I like poking yeah. fun at rich folk, but, uh, you know, I just don't, it's not my thing. What about honey mustard? Honey mustard's a product. I think it's, look, it's, it, it exists. He got you there. It is a product. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, let's say, let's, I'm going to go back to my 1970s roots. If you're going to buy an incredibly substandard, standard, and I hate to even use this word here, brie, right? Yeah. Right. Ooh. Listen, because the stuff that we call brie here in the United States taint brie. brie. It's trash cheese. Mm. However, it doesn't taste bad. No, God It's it's a good texture and it's kind of a neutral substrate. Yeah, it's like uh, ballpark sauerkraut. No, it's not because ballpark sauerkraut tastes flawed because of the preservatives in it. It's flawed. It tastes flawed. Regular garbage brie is like the closest thing to a neutral unit of cheese that you can get. Mm-hmm. Like more neutral than like it's like on the Colby level of neutral. It's like the brick. Cream, it's like cream cheese almost. The brick in the Lebrunadan kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, palate neutral. Yeah, yeah, the palate neutral piece of Swiss craft Swiss, but it's not texturally neutral, right? Like no. cream cheese. So brie. So in other words, 
it, it actually is good to put, um, I hesitate to say this too, on croute and to bake that sucker with like, and that, that cat is the application for honey mustard Heart is a 70s baked brie. Love it. But also in pastry, like if you bake brie in a pastry, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said on croute. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm not that fancy, you come guys. Come on, come on, come Gosh. on. <laughs> we have a different caller who's uh, been waiting for like five mustards All right, jeez, 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 mustards. All right, caller, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, what's up, Dave? Everybody, congratulations on Matt on being the first one on time today. Oh, snap. <laughs> snap. He's already here. Is he? Yeah, he's already here. Hey, he I showed here. up at 10 I, today. For yeah, this I imagine. So there's, I have two questions, Dave. All right. Um, the first one is, about um, low temping steaks. I have uh, two inch New York strip steak. Okay. And I was wondering how long to cook them for and the temperature. And then the second question would be how to sear them in a pan with the mayonnaise. Oh. So, see, I, I, I actually, you know what? That'd probably be good. I like, I, uh, Kat's giving me a look. Putting mayonnaise on everything before you sear it. Delicious. Delicious. No, I'm a fan of yeah. that. Yeah. But which mayonnaise? Dukes. Oh, come Correct. on, man. I have a thing of Dukes in my, in my, I've never had Dukes. It's the best. I have a container of it in my house that is as yet unopened because. It's very good. Because FIFO. Because FIFO. Yeah, 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 yeah. You well, gotta get is, through the mayo first. I'm gonna answer this. I'm gonna answer your question. I'm, I'm gonna answer your question, but wait, how, what did Kanye say on stage? I'm gonna give you your time. I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna give you your time. <laughs> anyway, but, but what? Well, hold a second, but like, what is it about Dukes that's so freaking tasty? It's got a tangy zip. <laughs> so does Miracle Whip. It's not even mayonnaise. Yeah, I know. No, it's it's just like. But uh, it's fatty with the tangy zip. It's yeah. like the perfect. Of balance. course, it's fatty. It's mayonnaise. <laughs> but, Miracle, <laughs> I mean, but, like, but you're saying Miracle Whip, which does is not and does Miracle not. Whip is fatty. It's it exists. It exists in like on the spectrum in between your classic Hellman's and QP. It's not full yes. QP. So you're it's saying it's in sugar. between. You're saying they put sugar in it. It's southern. Cupy is good because they put sugar in it. Let's just be honest. Let's call a Cupy yeah. a Cupy. They Cupy is good on account of the sugar. Mm-hmm. Also, Cupy's amazing. Also, you, you want to hear another thing? Why I'm a garbage person? I love, I love to buy pre-flavored mayonnaises. Here's some f- pre-flavored mayonnaises I like. I like sriracha mayonnaise. Hey, you purchased that. You know Ooh, why? Sorry, family stuff, show. Stuff. Oh, you can say things. that here. It's fine. And also, family and show. Here's mm. I, I got such a hate down on this from Wiley and Dave Chang. I like wasabi mayonnaise. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. That stuff tastes good on French fries. Anyway, now yeah, back to the question. Yeah. Wasabi, look. It tastes good, but just Dave Chang make it almost punched me in the face when I told him this. I like, and you ready for this? And this. Th- Anyone who's like anyone who's like Jack age and younger will not care about this. But anyone like my age, within within six years of my age, hates this idea on a number of on a number of fronts, but not on taste. Wasabi mashed potatoes taste good. Was that did that have like a, a cultural moment? Yeah, that's never crossed my mind. It, no, it was it like it was good. culturally hated by all the chefs. Huh. Okay. I literally almost got. Was punched. it like a thing in restaurants? He had to stop himself from punching me. The good old days. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and what Wiley kind of restaurants was this? We also remember back in the day, Wiley and Dave Chang, we used to get in, like, <laughs> I wouldn't say knock down, drag out fights because they never knocked me down and dragged me out of the room, but they wanted to on tongs because both of them are very anti-tong. Okay. Very anti-tong. We can talk about this later. Let's talk about steaks now. So two-inch strip steaks. Two-inch is a good call uh, because you're not going to overcook the inside. Now, I, 
Like strip, strip is problematic on this note. If you pre-salt strip, it gets kind of real, it gets real firm if you're going to do a cook chill. I'm currently running, I'm currently running the tests on whether or not, uh, on whether or not it's the chilling in salt that makes it, after you cook it, the chilling in salt that makes it firm up. Whereas if you just never chill it and you add the salt, it's going to firm up. But I know if you cook it, then chill it with salt over a long period of time, it's going to firm up. If you're going to serve the steak within, I'd say, four hours or so of the minute you throw it into the bath, four or five hours when you throw it into the bath, then you can go mm -hmm. ahead and salt it beforehand because it's not going to have time to cure through. I would take your steak, and you can pre-sear it or not. The, the issue on, on pre-searing is... It does help develop a, a faster crust after you, you do it. It's not strictly speaking necessary. It does add another step. Um, in my tests, as long as you don't uh, overcook it after, afterwards, uh, pre-searing is uh, good, right? So the way that other people do it who don't pre-sear is they just sear it longer afterwards. So all the people who say... I'm looking at all you idiots, you know who you are, who are like, pre-searing beforehand doesn't make any difference. Well, it's because you're not paying freaking attention. It takes longer to sear something afterwards if you haven't pre-seared it. And if you sear it for a long time afterwards, you're in danger of ruining all the good work you've done with low temperature. You're not 100% going to do it, but it just makes it more likely. Anyways, so that said, I don't always pre-sear because I am, and we all know this, intensely lazy. Okay, so... Uh, you have a two-inch thick steak, which, again, is a good, uh, a good call. What I would do is I'd put it in a bag uh, with oil. And, you know, I, I don't really worry anymore about the oil I'm using unless I'm going to take said uh, liquid and make it into garlic bread later, in which case I exclusively use butter. But if you are, you know, but the, I don't think that the butter necessarily makes the steak that much better, but the butter becomes good. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If you're gonna put the if you're gonna yeah. put the butter on bread, anyways. So then uh, you get it in there with enough oil such that you can do or butter or whatever, so you can do the ziplock. I also always and I know Ferran Adria is like, you know, everyone needs salt, but pepper is a spice, you idiots. Don't put pepper on the table. Well, with steak, steak and pepper, they be friends. Delicious. They're yeah. super friends. So I pepper the hell out of them. I'm just to let you know what I yeah. do. Uh, any any other notes I have? If it's dry aged, I would cut off the outer layer of fat and the bone, if, if you want the entire thing to taste kind of stinky, 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 like on the bone dry age, like my man Jack mm -hmm. here does, yeah. then leave it in. Otherwise, dry flavor tends to permeate, dry age flavor tends to permeate the rest of the, of the stiznake while you're cooking. So I would, I would trim away some of the more dry agey parts if you got some squeamishy people in the in, in, the, in the sitch, right? You with me? All right. So you have, yeah. the, you have the thing. And remember, remember, here's another thing people make the mistake. Make sure that all of your steaks are only one layer thick, right? So like if, if you're putting things in bags and then the bags are stacked on top of each other and water can't get through them, they might as well be one piece of meat, right? So you, you okay. and it will take forever because remember, as you increase the thickness of your product by a factor of two, you increase the cooking time by a factor of four, right? So you go by, you go, yeah. it goes by the square. It goes by the square of the distance. So already at two inches, you're at a relatively thick. So now I know it's taking me a long time. So put the steak into your bath, right? You know, make sure the sucker's sealed. You don't want water to get in because then you're, you're going to be crying bitter tears. But uh, I would do it at somewhere between 55 Celsius and 
two or three Celsius, like in that range, right? And I would, okay. I would put, I would leave it there for, uh, I would leave it there for at least an hour and a half. All right, at least an hour and a half. Right now, here's where you're going to skirt the line. Now, uh, I would drop it. I would drop the bath to. Depending on how much, depending on how much you like to skirt the the, the laws of of uh, bacteria, right? Between fifty two and fifty three degrees Celsius, I do fifty two, right? And then let her ride for like again. Depends on how squeamish you are, but like you could do up to four hours. You could do even longer, but like a little bit, and that's gonna that's your tenderization phase. If you keep that steak. At 55, so 55 is a nice number for that steak. But if you keep it at 55 for a long, long, long time, here's, here's the thing. The, the, the meat will start to firm up more. So it won't happen, over, it won't happen instantly, but gradually it's going to get firmer and firmer at 55, right? So what you really want to do in the real life, and this is the same way with eggs. When you cook an egg, right, you get it up to the temperature you want and then you pull it back by a degree or two so that it doesn't keep traveling up a little bit. So like 50, if you keep it at 55 and you run it for six hours, it's going to feel, it's going to feel texture wise closer to a 56 or 57. So what you want to do is bring her up to 55, drop her back to 50, 52, 53, and then you can ride it for a long time to get the texture where you want it, depending on the particular texture and the grade of the steak that you have, right? But like four or five hours, nice, right? A little bit long. Then, then, uh, before I sear it, now, 52 might be fine for where you are, but even like a couple of minutes, a little bit at 50, or pulling it out a little bit and letting it rest a little bit, so that when you sear it, you're not taking the inside. But thankfully, since you have a two-inch steak, it's not going to travel that much up in the interior, especially if you've had a good long soak at like 52, 53. You're going to have a little bit of a wiggle room on a two-inch steak to sear it up. And I would do, hey, slather that sucker, put it on the hottest thing you own. What's the hottest thing you own? Do you own like, do you own the sun? Because if you own the sun, <laughs> you can put it on the surface of the sun, get a nice crisp surface on it. And uh, you're, you're better off doing a uh, you're better off doing like a series of two intensely hot sears than you like like Wah! off Wah! like that to get the sear that you want on it because that's gonna produce a better crust than sitting there with a punier uh, a punier heat source and having it uh, take a lot longer. Just saying. Hmm. Yeah. Got you. I I'll do a cast iron. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're good. This episode is brought to you by Paris Gourmet, a leading specialty food importer and distributor servicing the New York tri-state area and beyond from coast to coast. I'm Jordan Werner Berry, the host of Modernist Breadcrumbs here on HRN. When it comes to freshly baked artisan bread, it's key to pair it with butter that's made with the same amount of care and attention. And you don't have to go all the way to France to find truly amazing butter. Vermont 83% is an American butter made using traditional French methods. It's produced by a dairy cooperative in New England, and as a Vermont native, I love that this delicious butter is made locally by family farms. Vermont 83% is great for cooking, baking, and serving on your table with fresh breads and artisan cheeses. It's proudly distributed by Paris Gourmet, 
to restaurants and grocery stores around the tri-state area. Learn more about Paris Gourmet and all of their gourmet savory foods and pastry ingredients at parisgourmet.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Andrew Friedman, and I'm the host of Andrew Talks to Chefs here on HRN. Every week, I interview a diverse cross-section of the best and biggest names in professional cooking. Give a listen and get to know all about the inner lives of chefs. You can find Andrew Talks to Chefs wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, I, I forget who was sent it to me, but uh, we said this on the air uh, a couple of times that I feel that what's going to happen in the future is we're going to be a lot more worried about indoor air quality. And I think it was the New York Times published an, or someone like this published an article recently. Someone did, I, I think it was maybe my wife, Jen, who, cause, you know, she's, she's hip to this cause she's an architect. Uh, but I, I think she sent me the, uh, like the article, but they're doing now a bunch of research on indoor volatiles in Western standard kitchens, cooking uh. things like Thanksgiving. And guess what folks? Taint purdy, taint purdy. Like, uh, but that said, who knows what the who knows what like you know? Um, so basically, they're saying, look, they they have an analyzer, a particle size analyzer. So they're analyzing the size of like the smoke, fume, grease, and other particles that we're making in the kitchen, and then they're likening it to other small particles that they think are harmful, like the crap that comes out of your exhaust pipe, or like if you was a smoker, and they're trying to like figure it out. But no one, I think, has because how the heck are you gonna? I don't think anyone's asked people with um, uh, lung cancer. So you use cook a lot. <laughs> uh, how many steaks you cook per week per in your kitchen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, f- funny to say it, but you know, professional kitchens, by and large, when you go into a professional kitchen, they're more neutral smelling than they should be, considering how much. And it's because we have good hoods. Great hoods. You know what I mean? Why don't apartments in New York have ventilation? Like, because there at aren't all. any laws. It's awful. There are no laws. Like, there's no one that says you have to have good ventilation. There's laws that say that you have to have a certain amount of, like, quote unquote, light, right? So your window can back up on somebody else, but every room's got a window. Yeah. Every room's got a, a minimum size. You know, uh, you have to have a certain number of exits so that you don't burn up. You know, you need to have your uh, smoke detectors, but nobody cares. And uh, maybe it's because nobody cooks anymore. Maybe it's because nobody cooks anymore. And, like, you know, that, th- that thing with the grates is where you keep your plates. You know what I mean? That's the oven people. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, ventilation is so crappy. It's so crappy. And I know for a fact, cause I spoke to people, when they're building buildings, no one's thinking, I wonder how I'm going to extract all of this, uh, this here kitchen smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or smoke. Back in the old days, back in the old days, like when, you know, rich folk lived in big apartments and other people cooked for them. The kitchens were far away because no one wanted to be exposed to the smell. We all want to be exposed to the smell now because yeah. it smells good. It smells great. It smells good. But on the other hand, like how many of you out there cook on the regular and notice that all the surfaces of your kitchen are coated in filth? Yup. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like, I need, if anyone out there knows like a good defilthener, because I don't want to get up on the ceiling with a scrubby and get the polymerized, you know grease off of the see it's hard enough to get the polymerized grease off of my pants which i hang on the ceiling because i feel if a pan is in a a, a cupboard underneath another pan i'm just gonna leave like 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 if you can't reach for it yeah it here's another exist. rule Here, if you can't pick it up without undoing if it takes you five minutes to get your pan you're not going to use it on the regular mm. 
right? Here's another thing. If you, I've said this a million times. I'll say it one more time. I'll say it. I want you guys to listen because people still make this mistake. Please listen. If you wrap a piece of food in aluminum foil, unless you're cooking it right now in aluminum foil, throw it away. As soon as a piece of food is wrapped in aluminum foil and put back in the fridge, it's garbage. In my house anyway, because I can't see it anymore. I don't know what the hell it is. Throw it away. You know what I mean? Like, just throw it away, you know? And if you put something in a package in the freezer and it's not clearly labeled, please, save yourself the trouble. Throw it away. This way, when someone shows up with an ice cream cake, you won't have to then rummage through your freezer, find all the stuff that you're like, I don't know what this is or when it's from, and then throw it away. Just throw it away now. Just admit to yourself that it's garbage and throw it away. You know what I'm saying? I hate seeing things wrapped in aluminum foil in my fridge, right? And yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that plastic, I'm not saying we should all use polyethylene and, and, you know, until we've, you know, sucked the last, like, liquefied dinosaur out of the ground. But, right, like, there is an advantage to being able to see the crap in your fridge. Yeah, I just want to exist in your universe where people just show up with ice cream cakes. <laughs> it happens, it happens so much. If like you, the whale? No, listen, listen, oh, I wish, oh my God, oh my God, Tom Carvel, I love you so much. <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, maybe he was a bad man, I don't know, like... You know, I, I'm kind of glad that we don't know a lot about some of our childhood heroes, that there was no social media. For all I know, Tom, Tom Carvel, for those of you that don't live in, in the Northeast, didn't grow up here, Tom Carvel was the owner and person who came up with Carvel Ice Cream. Carvel Ice Cream is fantastic. If you don't like Carvel Ice Cream, you're wrong. Like, it's just delicious. Uh, and I can say that because I grew up eating it. Like, is it the, is it the highest quality? Is it like, you know, my man Morgenstein Stern, who's here for? No, 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 it's not. It's not. But delicious, delicious. Uh, and people also make the error, error, mistake of believing that just because something is soft serve, that it is a high overrun product. People get straight the difference between the textural effects of temperature and the textural effects of, of pumping a crap ton of air into your ice cream because they are different. You can tell when you hold. Now, they might have changed it since I was a kid. It's been a long time since I've had Carvel. But it used to be when someone handed you a cup of Carvel ice cream, or if you picked up Fudgy the Whale or a Carvel ice cream cake, mm -hmm. you were like, dang, that's hefty. That is a hefty, yeah. that's a hefty hunk of ice cream. I think it still is. Dance. Where, uh, have any of you out there ever run a soft serve machine? Have you? Have you guys ever? You I have, worked Jack. at Milk Bar. You worked yeah. at Milk Bar. So here's a little secret for you. So what happens is, is that in the average soft serve machine, there's a cylinder and there's a pump. And that there's a little, like, it's a little kind of plastic pumping. It goes, and it pumps the, you know what I'm talking about, Jack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It pumps the ice cream base, pre-chilled ice cream base, into the freezing cylinder, right? Now, mm -hmm. the manufacturer has an orifice on that. And it's with this orifice that they choose how much air they pump into the cylinder at the same time they're pumping the base in. And so, unscrupulous ice cream truck owners or soft serve machine owners can swap out the orifice to increase the overrun. Overrun, by the way, overrun is the, is the technical term for how much air you're putting into an ice cream base. So 100% overrun doesn't mean that 100% of the ice cream is air. It means that if you had 100 grams of ice cream base, you will add, I'm sorry, 100 milliliters of ice cream base, you will add 100 milliliters of air to that ice cream base. So you're doubling the volume. So an ice cream with 100% overrun is double the volume of its base. All right. So they can do like they can do like buck fifteen, buck twenty. 
So like mm. some of these unscrupulous scrupulous operators will put in an orifice in their soft serve machines to jack the air into the cylinder. And if you walk up to one of these people and you get an ice cream cone and it feels like you're holding a helium balloon in your hand instead of an ice cream cone, watch, walk over and I'm not advocating violence, but punch them in the face. <laughs> uh, but where, where do we get to this from? What were we talking about? We were talking it's about... a long road. Steaks. Steaks and ice cream. By the way, I'm also not a guy who feels that like you can't have ice cream and then immediately go eat a steak. You're, you're okay with that? I'm 100% okay with that. Why would I not be okay? Thank ice cream God. is delicious. Yeah. Steak is delicious. Now, what I don't like to do, what I don't like to do is eat a bunch of ice cream and then pound a liter and a half of seltzer. What you should do... <laughs> What you should do is you should drink the seltzer first and then the ice cream. Why? By the way, when you were a child, Kat, were you very upset by this? Did, did you drink soda growing up? I did. Okay. Mostly sweet tea, though, but some soda. Oh, I hate sweet tea so much. Whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, I hate it so much. All right, let's not go down that road. I like tea. Soda. I like sweet. Remember the first time, Jack, Matt, <laughs> wait on this. Do you remember the first time you realized that your – this is the first time I realized that my mouth was not a perfect predictor, right? That like what went into my face was conditioned by what had just gone into my face. I remember dr- uh, eating a bunch of ice cream. Okay. I was a small child. And then pounding the soda and not not just because my stomach was inflating – but not being refreshed because the soda tasted warm relative to what soda was supposed to taste like because my mouth had been chilled by the ice cream. And I remember intense disappointment, mm. like intense disappointment. And I was like, I was like, mom, what the hell? You know what I mean? And she was like, well, <laughs> if you eat something that's really cold, then the cold but still relatively warm liquids that you're pouring in your mouth won't be as refreshing and I was just, I was just, and from that point, I, just, I don't drink after, I don't drink liquids after like ice cream for like a couple of minutes. I, I, it's, it's such a disappointment to not be refreshed. Well, what the mistake. A hot liquid. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, like, well, I mean, the mistake is to not just make a Coke float. Well, so uh, Jack and I were going to make a drink at the bar. Let's, uh, not, let's not talk about it until it's ready. Okay, but then, of course, here's what I hate. Every flavor combination has been com- come up with by someone at some point, right? Yeah. With the exception of like, uh, I don't know, I won't get into it. But like, uh, so Jack and I are going to do this thing at the bar, and then Bobby's like... It's already a thing. It's already a thing. It's, <laughs> call, it's, called like a, it's called like a Denver poop shoot. I forget what the heck the name was that he said it was. I don't know, Alabama liquid snake or something. <laughs> or something. I, don't I don't know, know what it was. <laughs> but I was, like, I was like, Bobby, you know, on the one hand, it's very... You need people like that around you at all times because... Oh, yeah. You don't want to, you, what you don't want is you don't want a guest to come in and be like, this is just like an, like a Denver poop shoot or uh, whatever it was because an Alabama snake We know snitches. we have improved it. <laughs> no, but it's you, our you, take on. You don't want to be caught unawares. Yeah. You want to know, and this is the problem. This is why when you're in this business, you shouldn't fall behind too much because if you fall behind, then people can come in and if, if you don't have, if you don't have a, like a back in their face when they give you the poop shoot argument then, then they think you're a jamoke then they think you're yeah. a freaking jamoke oh boy mm-hmm. can't be you can't, can't be have that as a jamoke can't you, you can't you can't alright let me answer an actual freaking question can't exist in a vacuum I, mean, I know we're, we're late but let me wait Kat before, before we get before Matt kicks us off the air uh, why, are, why are you in our studio today what are you promoting I just wanted to hang out but that's a lie but 
Uh, we are going to have this event coming up on April 26th. <laughs> I just want to hang out. But, <laughs> but, but, but if you're going to give me the time, yeah. um, it's we're doing an agave. You took the time. <laughs> I'm reclaiming this time. Um, we're having a agave, rare agave tasting on April 26th. At the agave or the liquid that they make from agave? Agave spirits. Okay. Uh, it's called So You Think You Know Mezcal. I bet you Jack does. Quiz him. I do. I, you, I don't know how to quiz you. Uh, you know more than me. Right, I, I, I'll give you, uh, as is, uh, what are we going to give her? I'll give you the, f- well, whatever. Uh, I'll give her a free drink. Just, anyway. yeah. All right. Name, oh. name the agave variety most popular, because I'm sure there's more than five, but name the most popular Right now, in the bar world, agave variety that grows where the piña grows on a stock. On a stalk. 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 This isn't the one that was, that's the, like yeah. on a mountain, right? Ding, ding, Is it ding, on a mountain? Ding, ding. They're all on a freaking mountain. mountain. Oh, I, don't, ding, I don't know. Ding. It's not The one that you're thinking of is Tobala. Ding, ding, Yeah, I'm ding, not going to know this. Ding, oh. I'm sorry. Madre Quiche. Madre Quiche. The mother of the Quiche. <laughs> Is that like what does Madre Quiche mean anyway? I believe it means mother of the Quiche. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, and we have we have a drink with Madre Quiche on it at uh, existing conditions. Well, with that varietal, and it's got the funniest name of any mezcal. It's real expensive, real delicious. El Holgorio. Really fantastic producer of mezcals. Incredible product. Awesome. Drink it. Um, if you so- have the money. So this event is going to be with um, a guy named Lou Bank who goes down and gets like rare agave spirits and brings them back. They're, they're ones you can't really get stateside. Um, he's going to have five different ones. Um, so come check out that will event. Will they all be Mezcal or will it they be will Sotol not, and yes, Ricea and Okay. He brings a little bit of everything and we Ooh, never Ricea really know did. what he's bringing. Um, he just went back from Oaxaca last week. So... Uh, yep, go to our Facebook page for tickets. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you. Where, where is this event occurring? At 100 Bogart down the street from the studio. What day of the week is it? It's a Friday. Can you move that? Um, no, but I... For, just d- for me? But do you do you want Lou to come by the bar and hang out with you guys? And, yes. Okay, great. I'll, I'll set that up with and you. And also, I thought we were going to get Schroeder on this freaking show to talk about it. He's coming nice in two weeks. Okay. Yep. And maybe Lou will come too, because they're going to be here at the same oh. time. They went to Oaxaca together. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, let's get them here. Fight! Uh, I am calling it now. I will be here for that episode. Yay! Well, can you be the guy who? Sta- what's that guy's name who stands in the back and says, "Get over here"? Scorpion. Is that his name? The yeah. Mortal Kombat character. Get yeah. over here! Scorpion. Yeah. You can be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're gonna have them fight. Well, he would. I would be fighting if they're on a team. So yeah. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. So, so in Tekken, what's the name of the person who says, "Hayashi Mishima wins"? Ooh, that's a different the, game. It's like an annou- It's just the announcer. I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. He's good. You, you don't like Tekken, though. I. It's, Kat, not, what's your it's not my favorite fighting, fighting game. I what's have your favorite no idea game? what you're talking about. Can we that's good. Jack the Scorpion Shram from the future. The Scorpion or the Nail? No, we, we can't we? because say, I already wrote the Nail here. on social Get media. Get over here. Right. That's pretty good. <laughs> Matt, what's your favorite fighting game? Uh, I, I, and why is it Street Fighter? <laughs> I, I, I didn't play very many Spider. I was a shooter guy. Oh, uh, he's House a of the shooter Dead. guy. House of the Dead. Now you're mm-hmm. creeping me out. You're not willing mm-hmm. to go and punch someone in the face. You have to shoot him from far away. Correct. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> Weak. Can't even throw a fireball. Marcel call, uh, wrote in and said, "I tried making an aioli with gar- I, I, Marcel. You probably don't speak this way. Uh, I tried <laughs> making an aioli with wild garlic tops." Basically, they look like chives. You know, when I was a kid, and I hear some of these are poisonous, I used to run around and rip up the tall grass that smells like onions, and I would chew on that stuff. Hmm. Nah, it's because I'm stupid. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
but it's not green enough or strong enough in flavor. I'm worried I lost flavor when I blanched them. Uh, what is the best way to make a, an aioli with them that will be very garlicky and green while emulsifying the chives into the, uh, or I guess chive-like, chive-likes, uh, into the aioli prevent oxidation on its own right, or do I need to blanch or blend alcohol? First of all, most of these uh, kind of green garlicky things, they're going to stay green whether you blanch them or not. I would not blanch them. If you blanch them, you are uh, nuking the... So, look, 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 look. When you're, da- when you're taking uh, an allium, right, and you are... Uh, and you, they don't develop any flavor until they's cut, right? They develop no flavor until they's cut because it's an enzymatic reaction, right? Which is why anyone who takes an actual kind of chive and then gives you long like sticks of it, like they're freaking toothpicks, not only are they committing a crime against your teeth and texture, but they're also not producing enough flavor out of the chive. This is why God wants you to take the chives and cut them into very thin, tiny little discs. And they, they, You're supposed to do a good job of it, not have a wet knife, not have a wet freaking board, and not make a pasty freaking mess of your chives. This is what, this is, this is the reason that chives evolved, for you to do that to them. Now, Stop committing tooth crime. Yes, I am. Anyway, so then what happens is, is that it's the cutting into the tiny disc that's actually making the flavor that we associate with those chives. So by, by blanching them whole, you are not allowing that flavor to develop. Now, there is some research that if you blanch them, blend them, and then add raw allium to it that contains its own enzyme, let's say, I don't know, white onion, right? That the enzymes that are in the white onion will bloom the precursor flavors that are in the blanched chive and bring it back. So one solution, if you're actually having it not be, uh, if it's actually turning on you color-wise, would be to blanch them and then blend them with raw white onion. And then that should bang, like bloom that stuff out. Maybe not to its 100% where it would be before, but it's still going to bloom it out. The other thing is, I would just try raw. How long are you trying to keep this stuff? Like, you trying to keep it for the rest of your natural life? Or are you just trying to keep it for a day or two? In my uh, experience, like, the green in that stuff's not going to go bad as fast as, let's say, mint. Or, or, you know, mint's the worst. I mean, mint tastes great. Like, mint is one of those things that, like, that... Mint's one of those things that just sits there in the corner and taunts you, the same way that lime does. You know what I mean? Trying to keep lime, trying to keep mint. You know what I'm saying? Do you use mint at existing conditions? Right now? Yeah. Or in life? In life, like, would you? So Jack and I, Mm. for years, Jack and I have been uh, making, as a one-off, the world's greatest grasshopper. Oh, it's so good. Mm. And then... Oh, no, we've said this on the air. Oh. I'm not going to tell people how we do it yet. Not until we have it on. But no, but they're going to come and ask for it now. No, but I, the point is, is that... Guys, don't bother Jack. Point is, <laughs> point is, and, and Bobby, Bobby Murphy has brought in... What's the name of that new vodka that tastes like chocolate, but it's made from rye? Oh, it's the... the it's a single malt vodka from... Where's it from? Scotland? I thought it was from rye. I, I thought it was made out of rye. It's barley? Whatever. Yeah, like the whole thing is... Stuff yeah, tastes I like know, chocolate. It's good. So, point being that, like, we have the technology, (laughs) not just the technology, the skill and the palate to make, like, honestly, like, I I would actually drink it. Now, to get me to drink a bunch of creamy drinks, like, you have to give me some drugs or something, like, because I just don't order that. I, like, that's not the style of drink that I order when I'm ordering drinks. But this grasshopper is 
Banana lamb and ding dong. It's so good. But why have we never put it on the menu? Is it just because we are bad people? The combination of nitro muddle and cream is... Uh, don't tell people how to do it. I, they, they don't know yet. As soon as we have it, we will... We also have to source a high-quality grating chocolate. That doesn't exist uh, at the bar right now. Yeah. So we but can't make it. We cannot make this High-quality right grating chocolate, a.k.a. Is Valrona. The, yeah. Is the mint, like, fra- you ha- are you using fresh mint to garnish, or is it like God, a syrup? Come on, man. You know we don't garnish. Please. Nitro so muddle. Mint Nitro muddle. Okay. As I, as, I, uh. as I say to my children on the regular, oh boy. slap yourself. I, oh, boy. I, I'm not going to hit them. You know what I mean? Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You just uh, did. Did we yeah. answer Sid's barbecue question last week, Jeff? There's, there's another caller on the air. All right, actually. one more caller, right. and then we'll get ripped right. off. Then someone, hey, Sid, I can't remember whether I answered your question. Tell Nastasia that I need to answer it. Same goes with Isabel in Vancouver with uh, the Canadian-Italian cocktails. Did we answer that one last week? Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. What's the call? We'll take this last caller, and then uh, Matt's going to rip us off the airwaves here. Hey, how you doing, Dave? All right. What's up? Uh, quick question. Last week, uh, you and Jack were both on, and uh, Limoncello came up, and you guys kind of you guys kind of made a face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was curious. How could you see? How could you see? I have I questions. Like, Where are you? Can you see through sound? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, an audible face, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah, I don't like it. Stop. Fair, fair. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. It just seemed like you had had some particular beef. And on that note, uh, for your celebrity alcohol tasting, uh, Danny DeVito has his own brand of limoncello. I will so get him in here. That. Look, it's not that I think it's Jack. Do you like limoncello? I have had examples that are fine. <laughs> I look. I just. It's just. Look, 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 look. Here, here, here it is. Here's what's good about lemons: acid. You know what <laughs> limoncello doesn't have? Acid. Yeah, yeah. Look. Oh, good point. Look. It, it 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 tastes a bit like detergent to me, like very very sweet detergent. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, it's not flawed. It tastes exactly like it's supposed to taste. It's just in general, that's not the taste I want. Now, I I did a for Pellini limoncello. I did a, a tales of the cocktail seminar. That drink was delicious. That drink was delicious. Because we mounted it with salty preserved lemon and made a, one of the best beverages Ooh. of all time. Correct. So the, the issue is, is that if I want that lemony flavor, see, the people who make limoncello, here's what they wake up with. I have this neutral grain spirit and I got so many lemons. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. I don't have this issue, right? <laughs> so like, I'm going to pay someone who's got a surfeit of lemons to make an, a very sweet thing, whereas if mm. I want a lemon flavor at the bar, I own lemon peels, I will use them. Yeah. I own lemon juice, I can use it. I have lemon cordial, mm. I can use it. I have all kind of alcohol. The best limoncello I ever had, my mom has a Meyer lemon tree in her backyard, and too many lemons made limoncello delicious. There you go. The reason for limoncello is you own too many lemons. I got too many lemons. Yeah, but I mean, at the, you know, at the bar. We need those lemons. Yeah, but but in other words, like like if you wanted a flavor profile of that was in the limoncello land, would you get limoncello or would you just like make it out of the stuff that we own already? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Danny DeVito, by the way, Matilda, great movie. Such oh, a yeah. good movie. I love that movie. Whatever happened to her? Did she ever act in anything else? Matilda, she was so good in that. Um, what about Miss Honey? Did she ever act in anything else? I don't think so. What about uh, The Trunchbull? Did any of these people ever act in anything again other than uh, Rhea Perlman and, and Danny DeVito? We'll look it up and get back to you. 
I mean, is there a movie? There are movies that are as good as Matilda, but is there a movie that's like better than Matilda? Arguably, no. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. We also, quote Roald Dahl, best children's author of all time. I yeah. hear he was kind of a rancid individual, maybe. Yeah, probably, but yeah. his stories were great. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But uh, we quote Matilda the movie constantly, mm-hmm. constantly in the house. Moby, what? Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Uh, uh, the whole the whole movie, great. Anyway, I don't even know how we got on that. Oh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> so uh, he's welcome to come on. I respect Lemoncello as a product. I respect it as having a cultural history. It's just, it's I never mix with it at the bar. It's not the style. But if Danny DeVito is going to come on, I will tell him I love it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Thanks for your take, Dave. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hot take. That was a hot take. What, what I exactly think it was a room a temperature take. What exactly? It was is a pretty a, standard take. What, what, d- define for me hot take. I think a hot take is like a quick, like it's quick, it's like re- reflexive. So it really probably wasn't a hot take. No, a hot take is an un- is an unpopular opinion. What? But it's yeah, one yeah. that comes very soon after, like news breaks. Now, like, what yeah. what is the sandwich a hot brown? It's what Dirty, unrelated gravy, uh, open faced. It's like a Wel- Welsh cheese. rare bit sandwich. Ooh, right. I love Welsh rare bit. Me too. It's good. I like a cheese Good sauce. sandwiches. I like cheese sauce and toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, and, and I like the word. Them. I like the mm-hmm. word toast point. Any of you out there ever wants to like see me go? Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's with toast points. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Ooh, toast point. Because you never hear that anymore. Anyway, uh, I like that a lot more than toast soldier. Give Ooh, me a yeah, point. Soldier. Well, soldier well, is a different shapes. shape. It's, I know, but like I'm saying, I prefer a point. People out there, better for dipping. What is your? What, the, the, the soldier? No, the point. Oh, the point. Well, I, I'd argue it's actually not. I just prefer it because point rather than the th- soldier. The thing is, like, you've just given yourself up, Kat, as a dainty, dainty, dainty... A dainty dipper. dipper. You're a dainty dipper. I am a dainty dipper. Because... Well, you uh, don't like sauce? <laughs> Love sauce. First of all... Well, then why are you a dainty dipper? First of all, <laughs> I know this has probably been gone through endless times, probably on this air and all other airs, but is anyone here against the flip dip? No, that's just good technique. It's not a double dip. It's a flip dip. All right. You're oh. a, it's the other side. Everyone I'm here is okay with flip dip? Very much okay yeah. with that. You bite one side, okay. you flip it around, dip it again. Okay. Now, let's say the host at, your, at the party you're at, they buy, as they will because they're bad people, mm. a crappy tortilla chip that's too freaking thin. Some people like thin tortilla chips. They're wrong, right? But it's usually it's all you can buy. Yeah. And you go to dip it, and, and the, the sucker the, cracks the, off into the... <laughs> What's the etiquette? I like to try to retrieve it with another fresh chip. That is the correct yes. response. Right. You're yeah. never allowed to go after it with your, with your Jersey pincers. No offense, Jersey. I lived there for many years. It depends on how much is like sticking out of the sauce. Like If you can like mm-hmm. get it easily. No, you have to excavate no matter what. There you go. Really? Yes. I guess I'm a dainty dipper and I'm very rude at parties. This is why if you buy low-quality chips, I'm looking at you, everyone... Uh, it's also good. I know nobody, look, someone is going to sit there and eat those freaking carrots. So just have some of those carrots there because they make fantastic excavation tools. Yeah. Like celery even, even better. What? Celery even better. Celery even better. But, but yeah. I never, the, like the amount of times I'll walk up to like, uh, like a dipping situation, see that bowl of carrots and be like, you know what? I'm going to eat one of them carrots. That happens a lot. I walk up and there's like a thing of celery. I'm like, Hey, you got blue cheese? No, Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, maybe just put a spoon in the dip. A small spoon. 
Hey, do you know anyone that peels the back of their celery before they put it on their crudite plate? No. They should! Hello? Who likes to look at someone talking with that string sticking out of their freaking mouth? <laughs> look, I haven't had to have a date in, in like 20, whatever, five years, 26 years, whatever, since 1990, like, one, right? But, like, I mean, how unsexy is that to be talking to someone and have a celery string sticking out of your freaking face? <laughs> Listen, if you, first dates, you gotta just go for it with food. Because if I can't eat like a whole mackerel <laughs> or like, you know, some weird dry aged meat or some, some strange raw animal out of the ocean, then it's never gonna work. So, it's never gonna work. So, so, uh, so someone walks up to Jack and is like, hey, where do you wanna go on your first date? He's like, ribs. <laughs> <laughs> All in. No, it's like if you don't wanna, if you're not interested in going to K Town and eating lots of, Small fermented, cured little bites of things. Then you know. End it early. Yeah, it's just like, it's, eh, it's not gonna work. No, but here's the problem with that, right? It's like I think you'd be you'd be better served saying beforehand, like we're gonna go on this date, but I'm gonna take you here for this reason, and if you have a problem with that, let's not even go on this dinner date because what the hell? I still enjoy conversation. Really, with someone who's not eating the food across from you. I no, I don't like that. I don't like no, if, if I'm with someone and they're like. Yeah. But that's what he's saying. He's like, no, no but like I, need... I can also be a human. Yeah, you know. yeah, I, yeah. I know we're late, but listen to this. So I, I think I mentioned last week that Booker decided he's not going to eat like pork and freaking beef anymore. But Dax, what has he done? Why? I don't know. But oh. Dax, Dax is like, it's not fair. He doesn't talk like that, but kind of. It's not fair. He's like, <laughs> Booker can change the way the whole freaking family eats. And so yesterday, I'm like, Dax, man, like. I'm going to do, it's going to be the same as burgers, but I'm going to do like, I'm going to do, I didn't fry it because I don't have the freaking time. I was just like sauteed chicken thighs. You know, they're good. Yeah. It's a good sandwich. Yeah. So, and I, he, he cursed a blue streak into my ear about how unfair it was. I was like, Dax, a chicken sandwich is delicious. He's like, but I want a burger. I want a burger. And I was like, Dax, what the hell, man? You did just say out loud. It's the same as burgers. No, well, which is no, 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 fundamentally no, 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 no. Uh, like good, if you good, say chicken sandwiches snack, are for dinner. Good snack. Good snack. Yeah. What I meant was I'm going to, other than the p- patty, I'm going to give you all of the same fixings. So for Dax, he will still have bacon. There will be cheese. There will be tomatoes and lettuce and buns. So in other words, all I'm doing is, and then Dax had the freaking stones. Get this, people. He said he to me. He takes after his father. He said to me, oh. Dad. And I don't know how the hell this got into my freezer. But he said, Dad, there are tur- turkey burgers in the freezer. Oh. And Booker can have one of those and I'll have a hamburger. And I was like, I will not cook a turkey burger in my house. Right? They are. They are. The biggest enemies of quality, perhaps in the world, second only to pre-made freaking salmon burgers. I will not cook a salmon burger in my house. Now, why? Because they are terrible. Yeah, it's a garbage product. If you were to low temp a turkey burger and then sear it off, maybe you could make a good turkey burger. But turkey is too low in fat. Anyway, especially the 
garbage breast meat and stuff that they grind up with no fat in it. And nobody wants a pink inside in their freaking turkey burger. So they all hockey puck those suckers. And they're the worst, driest, crappiest textured nightmares of a freaking sandwich on the earth. I will not allow it into my house. I don't know who bought it or why it's in my freezer. Ditto on salmon. And salmon has the even worse property that if some other idiot makes it for you, they ground it a billion years ago and it is oxidized until the end of the earth has come. So you're eating an overcooked dry, probably improperly spiced, crappy, oxidized, rancid, dry salmon burger. Now, if you're going to chop your own salmon real fresh, make it into a patty, not put some... They also bind it with, like, god-awful amounts of breadcrumb and eggs and stuff. It's just... It's just... It's bad. Seafood sausage, good. Made with salmon, emulsified seafood sausage with a a mousse. Canels. If you want to make, like, a salmon canel... Poach that mother off and put it on a bun. You have just won the Salmon Burger Olympics. But How do you feel about a crab cake on a bun? I'm sure that would taste good. It's not a burger because it's no. real, real bready. Burger-loid. Burger-loid. I, uh, don't, don't get mad at me. I know that I don't care how good you are at making crab cakes. You put some freaking filler in those you crab have to. cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to stay together. Yeah. Uh, I think we were going to have to go. But I, can, Dave, can you give us an update on uh, the turkey burgers next week? Uh, well, I'm going to go home and throw them out. The update is they are in the trash. I mean, I, I feel bad throwing them out, and I'm sure that someone at my house at some point will cook them, but it makes me cry that that is in my house, that that, that my, my family's money has gone to support the idea that turkey burgers are a valid, a valid thing to do when, by the way, you can just buy chicken or turkey thighs... And make a delicious sandwich with them, and and nobody feels with it with a with a with a whole thigh piece, right? You can cook it and still maintain a nice texture, but it's just a true fact that everyone will force you to viciously overcook any sort of ground poultry. It's just God's truth. They're mm-hmm. gonna make you do it, and then they will sit there and they will spray an entire bottle of what? Heinz. Heinz. Heinz ketchup on it, right? to try to make it be okay and they will say it's they will say but it's good i like it and then you have the problem of not only knowing that the person across from you is eating something terrible that you've cooked so you've cooked something you know is bad and they're eating it but then they smack you in the face by saying that the product of you your genetic lineage has such a low understanding of food that they think that what they're eating is good so you get smacked in the face two times biggest mistake people make Thinking something is good because they like it. True. If someone says, I like this, but it's garbage, I'm like, you know what? Fair. That, that's a, that is a wonderful opinion. You can't Fair. argue with that. Yeah. Can't argue with it. Can't. This is trash. I like it. Yeah. Then, you know, like like my man Jack, he likes sweetened rumps. I'm not going to get into it. He's going to punch oh. me in the face afterwards. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, this has been the extended version of Cooking Issues. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter 
at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.